welcome to Salad with a Side of Fries. I'm your host, Jen Trepic, talking wellness and weight loss for real life. We're here to clear up the myths, misinformation, bad science, and marketing to teach you how to eat and how to cheat. Are you ready? I'm having salad with a side of fries. This week, we're talking about Ozempic. So you may be hearing about this in the news. It's a pharmaceutical that we're seeing all over for weight loss. So there was a headline recently in the Wall Street Journal that said how a diabetes drug became the talk of Hollywood tech and the Hamptons. <laughs> so Elon Musk is taking not Ozempic, but a similar drug. Andy Cohen, the producer at Bravo, tweeted something about all the Real Housewives showing up 25 pounds lighter and referenced Ozempic in his tweet. Millionaire Matchmaker talked about it. There's some suspicion that this is what the Kardashians are taking, but we don't actually know that. Anyway, I think <laughs> for years I have been wanting to do an episode about nutrition in the news, but then timing makes that challenging. And there are so many stories about this that I thought, let's just address it here. So Ozempic is a prescription that was originally designed for type 2 diabetics to help lower their A1C and help control blood sugar and reduce the risk of a major cardiovascular event, right? Like a stroke, a heart attack, or death. So let's talk about A1C for a second. A1C, also known as hemoglobin A1C, is a blood test, right? We find out the numbers, blood tests. But what it's really looking for is almost like your average blood sugar levels is sort of how they think about it. But what happens, so when there's sugar in your bloodstream, it attaches to hemoglobin, a protein in red blood cells. So everybody has some sugar attached to their hemoglobin. People with higher blood sugar levels have more so the A1C test is measuring the percentage of your blood cells that have sugar-coated hemoglobin. Now, I think this test is often used to sort of look at diabetes or pre-diabetes. It's really important if you have challenges around blood sugar or are diabetic. So how does Ozempic work in managing A1C, right? So this is a pharmaceutical it's what we would call a GLP-1A or RA, really, a receptor agonist. So let me back up. So GLP-1 is glucagon-like peptide 1. So this is a peptide hormone primarily produced in the intestine and specific neurons in the central nervous system. So it's specifically part of the brain called the NTS, the nucleus tractus solitarius. I probably butchered that, but <laughs> so GLP-1 secretion is stimulated in response to food consumption. So after eating, GLP-1 exerts its effects, increasing insulin to then lower blood sugar levels. Ozempic essentially mimics, that might be the wrong word, but it's a receptor agonist in that it, the actions of it are similar to GLP-1 hormone to stimulate insulin release. So in prescribing Ozempic for type 2 diabetes, people were losing weight. And now there are some people prescribing it or potentially really, I should say, people paying for it 
who don't have type 2 diabetes but want the weight loss effect, right? So to be clear, Ozempic is not approved for weight loss. It is approved for the treatment of type 2 diabetes, the cardiovascular events, right, in the A1C. It is not approved for weight loss. There's another one called Wegovy. I think I'm saying it right, W-E-G-O-V-Y. So this is a similar med. It's in that same class of the GLP-1-RA. The manufacturer of Wegovy went back to the FDA in 2021 and received approval for weight loss. However, it is not weight loss for anybody. It is specifically weight loss for people who have another condition that is related to weight, like type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. So while it's not approved, people are using it for this. The other piece of how this functions is that GLP-1 agonists slow gastric emptying. So that's the speed that our stomach empties after a meal. Theoretically, the longer the gastric emptying takes, the more food remains in the stomach, making us feel satisfied or satiated for longer. So as a result, treatment that's mimicking GLP-1, they're saying lowers hunger and appetite and enhances fullness, resulting in reduced food consumption and weight loss. Now, there are also GLP-1 receptors in the brain, specifically in the hypothalamus, and that regulates food intake through the central nervous system. So again, that's those feelings of hunger and satiety. So there are certain situations where this can be life-saving and incredibly helpful. But I also want to give everybody a note of caution to be wary of the feeling that this is a magic bullet or a magic injection because it's an injected <laughs> thing. So we can do this with fiber, quality fat, and protein. <laughs> right? That slows gastric emptying. The other side of that is there are a lot of people who eat even when they don't necessarily feel stomach hungry. <laughs> if the only challenge was that our stomach felt empty, right? Or we knew and how to respond to the feeling of satiety and fullness, we probably wouldn't have some of the issues. So I think there's just more to this story than the pure biology or mechanics of it. When we think about hunger and satiety signaling, right, we talk about it. It's leptin and ghrelin, those hormones that tell us when we're satisfied, when we're hungry. We can support this through our food choices and strategic supplementation, like white kidney bean extract, leptocor, which is a patent patented ingredient, bitter melon fruit extract, chromium, we talked about a couple weeks ago, is known as the glucose tolerance factor. So there are things that we can do to also support the biology and the chemistry. And those options might save you a lot of money because the prescription, is, there's a reason why they call it, you know, the med for the 1% because it's about $700 to $1,000 a week. Then <laughs> we also often talk about how our health is a function of body composition, not just the number on the scale. I could not find in any research or anything about these drugs where they looked at body composition. They looked at the change on the scale. They looked at BMI. But that doesn't actually tell us 
what was lost from the body. Was it fat? Was it muscle, water, bone? We don't really know. And our health outcomes are about a whole lot more than just that number on the scale. And you guys know that because you're here all the time. There are physicians who are saying, I read an article where there was a physician who was like, I will absolutely not recommend this. I will not prescribe it for weight loss, even when people come in asking for it. His comment was really that it's so new. We really don't know. There's too little research and the downside is too significant. The other side of this to me, which is certainly a can of worms, but like we are the only country or maybe one of only a couple countries in the world where pharmaceuticals are marketed directly to consumers. So the fact that we have people showing up to a doctor's office asking for pharmaceuticals is a very bizarre thing. But conversation for another day. So, you know, certainly all medications have side effects. And I think that's something we would certainly want to consider here as always. And you talk about it with your healthcare provider. But I think we also want to understand when we see the news and see these things that seem, you know, too good to be true, people who are taking this, who don't have type 2 diabetes, who don't have higher A1C levels, what would it mean if their A1C got too low, right? If we don't have elevated A1C and we're taking this drug that originally was designed to help lower A1C, low and very low A1C levels have serious health implications. It basically can cause liver disease and all-cause mortality. So essentially, higher death possibility. That's not English, but whatever. You know what I mean. So the bottom line I think I want everybody to remember here is that weight management and beyond that, body composition is complex. Like everything we talk about, there's this bio-psycho-social component all three elements are really important, and any treatment that addresses only one piece of it is really lacking. And I think, especially if our outcome and the desired outcome that we're looking for is optimal health and vitality, if what you're looking for is the number on the scale to go down, you don't have to spend this money, and you could do any diet out there, and it will work, right? If what we're looking for is health, we want to take a biopsychosocial approach, and we have a lot of options to the bio side of it without having to take these medications for the average person who doesn't have some of these other conditions that make this an appropriate medication. So don't lose your common sense. <laughs> don't stop, you know, use your analytical thinking when we see these headlines. Christine, anything else? I said to Jen that a while back it was the same thing with Lipitor and some of these uh, cholesterol-lowering drugs. Nobody ever asked, what happens if my cholesterol is too low? You know, every cell in your body has cholesterol. So same thing with this. It's like they're not asking what happens if you're deficient in blood sugar, you know. And I'm thinking the brain. I just spent the yes. whole day listening to this webinar on the brain, and I'm thinking, how are you going to think straight if you have no blood sugar? Yeah. All right. Well, Christine, thank you again for being here oh, today. It's been fun. As always, everybody, I'm your host, Jen Trepic. Connect with me on Instagram or all social media. I am at Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. Send me a message. I want to hear you know, your takeaways, your questions, any topics you'd like us to cover. This is also the easiest way to learn more about working with me as your health coach. And... 
If you are not already, become a member. Join us by going to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries or click the link in the show notes. Becoming a member supports this podcast and this community. Most importantly, though, it supports your health. You'll get this week's recipe for the vegan garlic mashed cauliflower and the interview from Dr. Casey Means of Levels Health with Dr. Terry Walls about her nutrition and lifestyle treatment for autoimmune conditions. So until next week, remember, we want to support our immune health and balance because just like Goldilocks, we're looking for it to be just right. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Salad with a Side of Fries. Congratulations for making yourself and your health a priority. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to click subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform. Share us with a friend and we'll be back next week. Always remember, you deserve it and you are worth it. Happy healthy.